Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can follow us both on LinkedIn, or you can support our community um, at workerbeing.com slash community. So today we're going to talk about remote work and supervisory monitoring. So think like micromanagers. And that mm. leads to the question I have for you. Oh. Have you ever had a micromanager? Yes, I did. Ooh. Um, okay. I will not name names to protect the innocent. Well, or I guess maybe not, not the so innocent. innocent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just to cover my own ass. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Yeah. So I won't um I won't say who, but I did have someone who I did work for someone who was very focused on two things. One was FaceTime. And when I say FaceTime, at this point, remote work was not really very popular. And um, he wanted you to be in the office, but like with your door open and um, like visibly working. So not only just coming into the office, but he wanted to be able to see that you were at your desk, that you were doing things that look productive, et cetera. Um, At one point, he got like wind that people were going on. uh, This was probably pre any social media other than Facebook. But um, he got wind that people were like going on Facebook during work hours. And he went through these like elaborate hoops to try to keep our servers from allowing people to access Facebook. And um, (gasps) all that (laughs) happened was that people just spent a really long time trying to figure out how to get around that. Um, So it actually wasted more time. Um, Wow. Yeah. And then the last thing was um, he would sort of mill the office and in his spirit of wanting to know what people were doing, he would sort of stand behind you as you were doing your work. And um, I remember numerous instances where I was writing an email to someone or writing up a document and he would just stand behind me and like read what I was doing, um, which was really off putting. So I think the answer yeah. based on all of those things is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a micromanager to me for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm, don't love that. In my experience, I'm trying to think. So I've had like, so I did have a manager. Luckily, it was fairly short-lived, my time um, with this manager, but early in my career, similar kind of to you, where this person, she also kind of wanted to, like, keep an, keep tabs and see that you're working, and, like, she'll walk by your desk and, like, clearly mm-hmm. look at your computer. The thing that was frustrating, like, extra frustrating about her was that she really wanted to be the cool manager, but then, oh. like, didn't actually want, want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, she yeah. she thought she was being, like, really cool about, like, flexibility because, get this, she told me I can choose my start and end time as to what Ooh. time I show up in the office versus when I left because of Fancy. traffic. In L.A., <laughs> that's, like, the norm. That's been the norm forever, you know? Like, I can't think of a time where that wasn't the case in most companies in L.A. Um, so I would actually come in before she did, and 
so I think that was anxiety inducing for her. Mm. And I started noticing that she would log on at home because I could see it on like whatever chat we're using. I don't know this probably is probably Skype or something, you know, um, she would log in and see if I was green for sure. And then mm. sometimes make a comment saying, Hey, I'm just leaving now. And then log off. And, like, wait for me to respond and then log off and then come into the office. So she would, like, do these weird things that seemed benign, but ultimately started realizing it was checking in. Yeah. Um Because, like, why do you need to tell me that you're leaving your house to come home, to come to the office? Right. I don't need to know that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. Not, yeah, um, she was keeping normal. tabs. For sure. And there were, there was a policy. So this was back in, like, uh, the early 2010s. And... The company was doing more, was starting to do some remote work. So people could work remotely like on Fridays or like once a week. It was like not a lot, but a little bit. And she really did not handle that well. Like it was to the point where if I was at home and like, let's pretend I got up and like got lunch and then came back to my desk, I would have a message from her saying, I saw you went yellow. What it, What's oh, going God. on? And I'm like, I had lunch, you know, like yeah. if I wasn't at my desk, she wouldn't like f- come find me. Um, but I did notice it when with other people, she would check when I, I would notice when I was in my, at my desk and other people, she would definitely look to see if like on their desk, their like bag was still there or something mm. was still there so that the person hadn't like uh, actually left, um, signs of life, which, yeah, which was, so she did kind of monitor if you were going on a break, but not in a as overt of a way as when I was working remotely and she would ping me all the time and be like, so why did you go yellow? You know, I've seen you were yellow for like multiple periods this, uh, this day. So you probably need to stay logged on for another half hour, like weird things like that. That is super weird. Yeah. It's interesting. I really wonder because my person was a while ago. It sounds like yours was a while ago. Um, I wonder what, happened to them now like did they conform Mm. to the new norms or are they just losing their minds well (laughs) she was not effective in a lot of things not just her management style and I did kind of creep up on her a little bit on LinkedIn the Mm. other day out of curiosity honestly I was reading this article and I was like I wonder what she's doing and she's not managing a team anymore she's more of like a senior individual contributor so I bet it was not appreciated yeah yeah I hear that no um this person um was really good at other parts of leadership and had a very senior role um and maintained that role for a long time um, so I think he is probably retired now, but I wonder mm. if at some point before retirement, he had some sort of a, uh, an, an, a come to Jesus around, uh, <laughs> thinking this through. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I would imagine that that would have been a tough conversation for him. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. It is really interesting. Um, I'm curious to what happened to those folks, but they probably are still out there. There's probably people like this still out there, um, just being a little wonky, um, from a remote environment. I actually have a a friend of mine who, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I didn't even know this existed until he told me about it. He has one of those, like, 
mice for like the computer, like your mouse that automatically moves like every, Oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it'll like just wiggle. And so then it shows that you're still online. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So apparently there's a need for that product. Yes. Um, if, so that means those managers are still there. Yes. You're not going to engage people by forcing them to show up. There needs to be something else or else they're just going to order the wiggly mouse and yeah. you're going to think they're there and they're not. Um, so I think I that's wish I had the so. wiggly mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like back then, not now. Now I'm fine. But back then, I wish I had the wiggly mouse. <laughs> the wiggly mouse. We're working wonders for people all around the world. Um, so you're talking about micromanaging. What specifically are you going to be talking about? Because I'm curious about this. Obviously, we have some personal experiences that I'd love to learn more about, you know, what the research is on this, because I haven't seen a lot on it. Yeah. So they I'm saying the word micromanagers because it's like a very colloquial word that we use a lot. Um, They're actually talking about supervisory monitoring, which is similar. Mm, Um, So I'll give you the kind of the key takeaways, but it's about supervisory um, monitoring and remote work specifically. So this paper is all about remote work and it actually, um, there's two studies in it. One that was like at the height of COVID and one that was like post. So there's definitely, um, some variability in the data, which I think is really interesting, which I'll talk about as well, but high level, high level key takeaways. So number one, when working remotely, If employees are feeling monitored by their supervisors, they also feel like they're not trusted. So that they're not being trusted by those leaders. Mm -hmm. And that causes increased exhaustion and reduced vigor vigor that day. Mm, Okay. So a lack of trust is problematic for people's well-being. Exactly. Yeah. And high supervisory monitoring causes you to feel a lack of trust. Um. And then there's kind of that piece I was just mentioning about the COVID versus not COVID times. Um, there is some interesting findings around how it can be made worse. And mm. the so the takeaway here is it can be made worse by supervisors if they vary how much they monitor from day to day. So might have some days where they monitor a lot and other days where they don't at all. Um, ah. So that can make people even more exhausted. Yeah. Unpredictability. Um, okay. Exactly. That sounds really interesting. So, um, do you want to kind of start unpacking that first piece? Yes. So as I mentioned, this paper had two studies. So there was the one study that happened in May of 2020. So I want people to think about this. I think it's really important context. And a lot of, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about how, you know, there's been a lot of research on remote work and all of these things, but it was before COVID and things are so different now. Eh, whether or not that's true is a different story, mm-hmm. but this paper does kind of address that. Like it has this study in May of 2020, which is a very unique period. And then the second study is in February of 2022, which means more people have settled into this remote workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's become more of uh, a norm. So if people had to make a quick shift, they've now been in that for a few years, potentially if they're still working remotely. So managers have settled. Um, So what does that do? Gotcha. So that kind of leads to two different results, slightly different results. Um, Yeah. But the first one, the first takeaway that I said is relevant across the board. So basically supervisory monitoring is when 
you know, and a, a manager or supervisor is doing some sort of information gathering about their employee. So, you know, how are they progressing? Are they you know, working the way that's expected? Are we seeing any deviations that maybe their tasks are not being completed the way we expect them to? And that's actually like a big piece of a supervisor's job, right? Is Mm -hmm. not to, it's not necessarily you have to micromanage, but you need to be under like aware and understand what your team members are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the tricky part, right? Is that you don't want to tell people just completely leave people alone lock your door, be in your office, you know, and have people just run amok. That's defeating the purpose of having a leader. But I think when people feel like they're tasked with a team's performance, they believe that the best way to do that is by being on top of their team all the time. And the reality is that that can get frustrating for people as you're going to highlight. But it's a tough balance, especially I would imagine for newer managers to figure out or people with maybe certain personality characteristics that cause them to be more anxious about those sorts of things, that you kind of need to be there but not be on top of people. It's like that, like, if you love something, (laughs) let it go thing. You know, like, you have to, (laughs) you have to, like, show that you care about people by giving them some space to perform. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, there is a balance. Like you can't just never, ever check in on anything ever. Um, but it's the way you do it that really matters. And, you know, there's theory about remote work specifically, which I think makes a lot of sense is that when you're not in the same physical space, some supervisors have a tendency to monitor more because they feel like they have less control, right? They don't feel like they see people, they can really understand what's going on quickly. So they feel a little out of control. And so they kind of push into this hyper monitoring phase, um, which isn't helpful. And we know that there's this really interesting tension with remote work because when people, people love to work remotely because they like the flexibility, right? They like some of the autonomy that comes with it. It you know, can improve people's quality of life. It can, you know, impact cost of living because you might live somewhere that's cheaper. So there's a lot of positives of working remotely. Um, But the tension between that autonomy and the supervisor's need to monitor what's going on can create problems, right? There's, and that's where uh, you have to find that balance effectively. So in this study, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that makes a lot of sense because um, especially in remote, I think we talked about this before, but with managers, the assumptions, the underlying assumptions that guide managers, um, you know, if your assumption is that if you can't see people, maybe they're taking a nap or they're never going to get their work done. They're trying (laughs) to use that as an excuse, right? I could see feeling like if I can't see somebody I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm just not 100% sure. And if I feel like I'm on the line for their performance, I might be panicked about that. So while Mm -hmm. we know from the literature that that's not the best idea, it's understandable how those kind of things come about. Completely agree with you. It is definitely understandable. And I think that's where you just need to shift your mindset. But we can talk about that in a little bit around like what are things that you can do. Um. But so when it comes to this monitoring, basically what was found is that if an employee is being monitored, if they feel like they're being monitored at a high level, then they start to feel like they're not being trusted. 
They feel like their manager doesn't trust them today, that they're, you know, the manager isn't giving them an opportunity to have autonomy. Um, They feel like they're not being counted on. So they start to kind of feel like, you know, they don't trust me. They don't really know that I'm capable of doing these things on my own. And it makes them feel bad, which then leads to this negative impact on well-being where people feel really exhausted at the end of a day where they've been monitored a lot. Yeah. I think, I mean, based on our own experiences too, that we just shared, you know, we just mentioned that we could sort of see things from the leader's perspective about why they might be motivated to do that, even though we know it's not the best idea, but being on the receiving end of it. And for anyone who's listening, who's been on the receiving end of it, it makes you, I don't know about for you. And I know they didn't measure this in this study, but It makes me feel anxious if someone's watching what I'm doing. And it makes me feel anxious for two reasons. And one of them is what you mentioned. One is because it gives me the sense that they're suspicious or they think that it's possible that I'm not doing a good job. And so I'm being checked up on because there's some sort of a performance issue or problem or they believe that there's some sort of performance issue or problem. And so that makes me feel anxious. And then I don't perform very well. Um, And the other thing that makes me feel nervous or stressed about that situation, which I would imagine becomes exhausting, is just the hyper monitoring. If you've ever shared your screen on a call and been taking notes or typing as people are talking, I always type with so many more errors when I know other people are watching me than when I'm by myself. And I think it's just because all of a sudden you're on display and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to write this the right way. I want to type this. I want to capture this. And when people are watching you, it just freaks you out. Um, so I think that's also mm-hmm. part of it for me. I am aligned. Like I feel similarly. And I think that kind of what you're saying too, with that like constant monitoring, right? Like someone's watching me, I have to do it perfectly. Like then you're like on all mm-hmm. day long. And that is really, really tiring when you have to feel like you're on all the time and you can't have a moment where you're just like, oh, take a breath and you know, do what you got to do. But like, it's more when you're, let's say working, like writing something for work, you're writing a paper. Um, you feel more relaxed when you're just writing the paper on your own, doing what you got to do, getting it done. And then the anxiety picks up when you pass it on to the leader or the next person who's going to read it and give you feedback. Right. Totally. But in the moment you're, you can get into a flow, you can chill a bit. Um, but if they're constantly watching you, you feel like you're being constantly watched, then you feel like you have to be on all the time. And then that whole process gets exponentially stressful, more stressful. Mm-hmm. And then you're, yeah, then you're in a position where it's just like, there's this heightened level of anxiety, heightened level of stress for the entire task, not just when you give the deliverable for feedback, for example. Yeah. Um, you're just so that's in really negative state. Like you're mm-hmm. just always thinking about what, what she was going to drop or something like that. So that makes sense to me. Totally. Yeah. And then back to this paper, like the trust piece is also really important because like, if you think about it, if you're not feeling like you're being trusted, then you kind of feel like a little kid, right. That's being watched because like, Oh, you can't be trusted to do the right thing. Um, and then that starts to get you feeling like you probably feel more resentful of those leaders. Then you start to feel like there's, um, you know, like less motivated. You're not feeling motivated to continue working and doing great work because what's the point? They don't think you're going to do a good job anyways. Right. 
Yeah, I it's it's related to micromanaging to some extent, but I I was just thinking of how important the trust piece is. I worked for a leader who kept setting these goals that were very very unreasonably high and then being disappointed when we didn't hit those goals and someone mentioned that maybe it's the goal and not the employee base that could be miscalibrated and he said well the reason that I set these really high goals is because if I set a reasonable goal for you you'll relax but if I sent th set this really hard goal then you'll work as hard as you can to get there and we all felt like that was so insulting because it's sort of this underlying assumption that I don't trust that your natural way of being is wanting to do a good job or wanting to do your best. I, tr My interpretation of you is that you'll try to cut corners if you can. And the way I'm managing our goals is in direct response to the idea that I think that you will only try hard if I force you to attain something that's almost impossible. I just felt like that was really belittling comment that I did not appreciate. I definitely would feel the same way as you. That is just like, it's just rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so you're going to relax. First of all, number one, most people are going to, you know, even after they achieve a goal, like they still, like, it doesn't, hurt to do more and do it better right like if right. I've sold 600 widgets I'm and that's the goal I'm not gonna be like well I'm done I'm just sitting here now I'm not gonna touch this work for you know until the next quarter or whatever no right. you're gonna maybe you might slow down a little bit your pace like that's one thing but you're not gonna stop doing it and is it really such a big deal if you like relax once you've hit the actual goal that you want the person to attain? Right. <laughs> um, like, is it so bad that they're just like, Hey, maybe I can take a break now because I did a lot of hard work already. Right. I feel like that's also kind of rude to think about, but yes. anyways, <laughs> agreed, agreed on all fronts. <laughs> um, yeah. So that anyways, the, the whole point here is that if you're an employee that's feeling hyper monitored you're more likely to feel less trusted which then leads you to feeling more exhausted at the end of the day and reduced vigor which we've defined before you know has to do with like your energy so makes sense you're more exhausted you have less energy um so you're not feeling so good but there was another piece that i thought was really interesting so i talked about the variability um and how your level of as a supervisor if you're monitoring at different amounts, different days, like, does that impact how employees feel? Mm -hmm. And this is where the sample difference came into play. And so they mm -hmm. had some ideas as to why this happened. So when it came to February of 2022, whether a person, a supervisor was, you know, different in the way they were monitoring from day to day, didn't really matter. But during like a really heightened stress period, like COVID, it did matter. So what does that mean? What I'm saying is that if I am a um, an employee and my manager is, you know, looking over my shoulder one day, calling me every five seconds, seeing how things are going, you know, sending me a Slack message and if they think I'm not a green or whatever and uh, doing all of these things one day and then the next day they completely leave me alone and the day after that they leave me alone. But then the next day after that they start getting all over me again mm -hmm. when you have that weird variability um it makes you feel like 
you just have no, you have really no control. And it's very unclear as to why they're doing what they're doing. You start to feel anxious about, is this going to be a day where they're going to do this? Is this not a day they're going to do this? I don't know how to behave with my supervisor. Um, Should I be checking in with them all the time today or not? Like, you just don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. And it actually makes everything worse. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because this is going to be maybe a funky relationship, but there's literature on abusive relationships, um, whether that's romantic relationships or interpersonal relationships. And that research shows that the more inconsistent people are in the behaviors, the more taxing it is for the person to um, deal with that person. Because if you're always bad, a person can form a schema around that. They know what to expect. And in most instances, if someone always is acting badly, you're going to exit that relationship. So maybe someone would quit their job and then that would be a lesser time they deal with that. If someone's always nice, then, you know, that's, there's not a downside to that. But if you're in the arena of bad things, inconsistently bad is actually more confusing and cognitively taxing for people to figure out that person because you're not sure what's going on. And so not only are they less likely to take action to actually change their situation, but it's more problematic for them because they kind of have whiplash figuring out what the person's trying to do. 100%. That's exactly what they were talking about here, right? Is you're trying to figure out what's going on. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, in the, obviously the relationship literature too, because there's some bright sides, right? There's some bright spots, moments where, oh, like, I'm good. My manager maybe does trust me. Like, they, they think I got this, so I can just keep working on this thing. And then when they show up again, they're like, oh, no, did I do something wrong? What happened? Why is this person doing this? Versus it just being something that they do, right? Mm-hmm. It's You start to put it on yourself more. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of high variability or, you know, that fluctuation is more problematic. And it does create a situation where employees are even more exhausted. Like you see a much, much bigger impact on their levels of exhaustion um, when on the days that they're seeing that variability, like they're seeing the high monitoring, then they're more drained, more um, exhausted at the end of the day because of that behavior. If Mm -hmm. a manager is similar to what you just said, if a manager is stable, like, you know, if the abuser has negative behaviors all the time, that is actually easier. Exactly the same type of relationship. If they're always super, super micromanaging, your level of exhaustion doesn't change that much. It's not worse because of the fact that it's constant. It's actually worse when you have that big variability. Mm. But again, the big caveat here is this is really only relevant for the sample that ha- that they had during COVID itself. And so why I think that's interesting is because, you know, they did test this other sample when it was a little bit better of a circumstance in the global environment. And they, you know, didn't, they weren't able to test all of this, but they were theorizing about it. And I think it's just an interesting takeaway for managers. If you're in a very high stress moment in the organization, mm-hmm. if you are in a situation where there's been a lot of change recently, there's probably less of a threshold for uncertainty. So the consistency in your behavior, I think, is even more important Mm. when there's other uncertainties around you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So 
your behavior needs to become more consistent the more you think people are already in a, a chaotic sort of state to some extent. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Well, that's a really good takeaway. What what should people do? So that's that's one thing, right, is to monitor your environment, really think about the consistency of your behavior. If you're in a chaotic environment, it might be the last thing on your mind to stop, pause, and reflect on your own behavior and its consistency, but it feels like that's really important. Yes, exactly. So thinking about how you can be more consistent in your approach, ideally think about how you can reduce the level of monitoring. Um, And so that is, I think, a big takeaway. Think about your employees and the work that they're doing and and trust them like unless they've proven to you that they cannot be trusted for some reason that's a whole other performance approach that you need to be addressing in you know its own way but if your employee has always been a consistent performer um there's no reason for you to be micromanaging them. So think about ways that you can kind of reduce those touch points while still keeping an eye on things, you know, from your leadership role that you need to do. So one way to do that, um, that I would recommend is to start thinking about your employees work at a more task or deliverable level versus hours. I think the biggest problem that micromanagers kind of fall into is like keeping track of those hours. Are you working right now? Can I see that you're working right now? Have you worked the exact eight hours that you're supposed to work? You know, are you active online at the times that you're supposed to be active online? All of those things, you know, you know, assuming the type of work you're doing, of course, is kind of more office work. All of those things lead to those micromanaging behaviors. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're worried about the day-to-day actual amount of work the person's doing. But if you're focused on the task itself and the deliverables and the timelines, that's an easier thing to check in on in a way that's not micromanaging. You know, yeah. you can have one-on-one meetings and have your team members show you parts of the deliverable. That's totally reasonable. <laughs> like have them show you or tell you what's been going on so far. Um, those types of check-ins are going to be more effective. You're going to get better information than if you're constantly seeing if they're green on Slack. Um, but you're going to still be able to monitor their performance just in a way that's better and uh, allows people to feel trusted. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't like the phrase, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Cause I don't know why anyone's trying to skin a cat to begin with, but um, yeah. if, but there's also some downside to watching how someone works because they may not do things the exact way you would do it. Their process might be different. Their approach to things might be different. They might do things in a different order than you would do. But when you're looking at the outcome and you can give feedback on the outcome, if somebody's doing low quality work, having insights into how they're getting their work done might be useful for you. But if they're doing high quality work and they're just not doing it the way you would do it, it doesn't really matter. There are multiple ways to get there. And sometimes when you're really monitoring people's process, you can start to get mired in the details and make judgments about people that are not related to what they're actually producing, but are just related to how similarly they work to you which may not be a good indicator of their ability to perform. So um, I think that's really good advice that the deliverables focus piece would keep people from getting caught up in those kinds of details, which may not end up really having an impact. I think that's a really, really good call out. Like I'm just thinking already of examples in my own work life where I, um, so for example, I started leading this new team, like when I had changed companies in the, the, you know, recently ish, Um, 
And as I was leading that team, I started noticing that when I was checking in, just like on, you know, doing one-on-ones, asking people about how things were going in terms of uh, their tasks, I started noticing the things that people were sharing that they've already done on this task um, was different than what would I have done first? Like mm. you're saying the order and I, but I didn't say anything about it. I wasn't like, Oh, well, why don't you do this first? I just kind of let it go. Be like, okay, so there you've done these things. So the thing that I would have done first, I think I do that later. We'll see. And I just watched it. And lo and behold, they did get to all the things that I would have done. Just a totally different order. The yeah. deliverable was fantastic. Um, totally worked. It's just not the way I would have approached it. I would have approached right. it differently. Um, but that's, not bad or good, right? Uh, like you said, ultimately the thing that matters the most is the output. Um, so give people a chance, see what that output looks like. And then if you need to dig in further because it's not coming out the way you want it to, or you need it to, that's when you might get a little bit more in the weeds. But I think it's really important to, to focus on those deliverables and the things that matter, not the like order of tasks or whether they're doing something at 10 AM or 10 PM. Right. Totally. Yeah, everybody has different ways of doing things and it's really the end result that matters. So I think for people who are listening who might tend towards micromanagement themselves, that's a really important lesson and trying to be reflective about how you're keeping track of what people are doing and when um, is really important. But also for people who have um, leaders who are micromanaging them to think through you know, the ways in which they might try to break that cycle by also questioning their own assumptions. So, you know, I think this is a natural tendency that people have to sort of use their own way of doing things as a yardstick. And so to what extent are you passing that on to your team or not? Because you may know better than anyone that uh, it doesn't feel good to be micromanaged. So I think those are some really awesome takeaways for people listening. Yeah. And again, I thought this article was super interesting, especially because it was in a remote work environment, which hasn't been studied as much. You don't see as much about this um, in the past few years. Like all those papers are probably going to be coming out soon, but they haven't yet. So this is kind of on the early side of that. Um, So I think that's really great. So if you think about remote work post-COVID, guess what? Not that different as pre-COVID. And we are starting to see how important it is that you build intentionally positive manager employee uh, relationships that are built in trust um, because it's going to impact the well-being of your employees. And we already know well-being impacts performance and productivity down the line. So thanks for listening to my article today. Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's really important and reflects the type of work people are doing these days. So um, I'm really glad that you read it. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, if there's any questions, anything you want to talk to us about, you can always find us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. Um, find us on social, add us on link- LinkedIn. We post things there all the time and would love to be connected to you. Um, and finally, if you're interested in more of our content, interested in us coming to speak to your organization, please reach out again, contact at workerbeing.com. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.